Are you looking for a memorable getaway for your family that's packed with adventure? Look no further than Lake Erie. Powderhook, in partnership with the Great Lakes Fishery Commission, has all the resources you need to plan your adventure to the walleye capital of the world. The best part is, you don't have to be an experienced angler or own a boat to have a fantastic time on the water. While walleye are the main attraction, Lake Erie also offers excellent fishing for yellow perch, trout, steelhead, salmon, and bass. The options are endless, and there's so much to explore on Lake Erie. Knowledgeable and friendly fishing guides are eager to serve you. Whether you want to hire a charter, secure a seat on a headboat, fish from the shore, ice fish, or do a DIY trip on your own boat, all these options are at your disposal with a bit of planning and preparation. Find everything you need at powderhook.com. That's powderhook.com. We know what's biting and can help you enjoy a wonderful fishing experience on Lake Erie. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. When you're at your best, you can do great things. But sometimes life gets you bogged down and you may feel overwhelmed or like you're not showing up in the way that you want to. Working with a therapist can help you get closer to the best version of you. Because when you feel empowered, you're more prepared to take on everything life throws at you. I've personally never tried therapy, but I've heard from friends it's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, flexible, affordable, and entirely online. Just fill out the brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com Waypoint to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot Waypoint. Have you ever wondered how you can improve your chances hunting on public land? Have you ever wondered what you're allowed to do on public land to improve habitat? If you don't primarily hunt public land, but you'd like to and want to know ways to improve things, wouldn't you want to know what a wildlife biologist has to say about it? This show is for anybody that does or wants to spend time on public land hunting. Zach Vukovic is a certified wildlife biologist, a level two deer steward with the National Deer Association, and he knows habitat management. He gets paid to make plans for private landowners to improve their deer habitat. But today we're comparing public versus private and what you can do. Zach will tell us what he would look for in public hunting land. He'll give us tips to know what you can do on public land. He'll even tell us who should be your new best friend before you hunt public land. Last thing he's going to touch on is how you can use public info that's out there and at your disposal to improve your chances once you're finding a nice piece of property to hunt on. Zach was kind enough to have us down to his family farm in Kentucky so that we could see his management plan in action. We spent the entire day learning from a master, learning all the tips and tricks. Every whitetail hunter or any Anybody hunting in general is going to get something out of this show. Before we get started, my team dug through all of the notes that Zach made. We went through and where we could find the gear that he uses, we posted a link to those in the show notes. If you tap on those links and purchase from those retailers, we are going to get a commission back. When we get that kickback, we're going to pass it along to Raise Mount Doors. Raise Mount Doors is a great organization that teaches kids to hunt, fish, hike, and camp, and basically just makes them fall in love with the outdoors. Pitter patter, let's get at her. Welcome to Gearbox Talk with Zach Vikurvich. All 
right, so we've been talking through on a few episodes, land management, what you can do on your own property, whether you own it, lease it, what have you. We want to talk a little bit today about public versus private. Guaranteed there's regulations and stuff on the public property that you're not going to be able to go in and cut down trees or anything like that. But let's talk a little bit about what you would kind of look for in a piece of public properties when you're looking at foliage and browse. And then also, you know, what you can do, what you would try to do if you could. So when I'm thinking of public versus private, the the main thing I want to look for in a successful area to set up shop to hunt a season at, say on public land, um, you're looking for disturbance. So if you can keep track of it somewhere close to home, a, a wildlife management area that you're familiar with that you can have access to, or maybe it's a state forest or a, a national forest, um, if it's somewhere close enough where you can keep up with, okay, where's the last timber harvest? When was the last timber harvest? Are they doing prescribed burns out there? Are they planting food plots on, on that WMA? What have you. If you can keep up to date with it, I would, I would use that to my advantage uh, for sure. And you want to hunt those disturbances. Say there was a wildfire there two years ago. That area is going to be a completely different habitat type than the rest of the property. Or say they had a timber harvest last year because timber prices are, were so high right now. Um, that's not uncommon, them go in there and, and, and clear cut a whole area. That's the kind of stuff I'm looking for. I'd be all over hunting. That change in habitat type, it's promoting early successional habitat, uh, different vegetation types. Um, you're looking for the disturbance and hunt over top of that um, would be my, my main advice. So beyond going on site and kind of looking at everything, is there anywhere you can find that kind of information? Can you call maybe Fish and Wildlife or somebody in the park? Yeah, so look at your state agencies, um, figure out who is in charge of that WMA or who manages it, uh, who the wildlife manager is, and get in touch with them. Those are great relationships to have. If you're looking, if you live next to a national forest, figure out who, who the biologist is working out there. Talk to the forester guys. You can get that information. It's public knowledge. You can also look at the like the Onyx Hunt app. They're starting to put even, um, I saw they have new layers on them that are talking about uh, crop history, crop usage. If it was corn or was it soybeans last year? They have wildfire data, like when was the last wildfire? It'll show you where that place burned. There's a lot of great information, even just online. If you're willing to go through and do some homework and do some digging, you can figure that information out. Um, depending on how up to date the Google imagery is, you can hop on Google Earth and you can scroll back the timeline a couple of years to figure out when the last clear cut was. Just zoom way out and you'll be able to tell where, where the woods, where you lose your woods and where it starts to regenerate. If you're looking for that early successional growth, you're looking for that young forest um, standing next to a mature woodlot, you're, you're really looking for, for those edges and habitat types because deer is such an edge species. So there's resources out there, whether you're doing it on your own or whether you call um, and reach out, extend a hand to the state wildlife agency or the federal agency, whoever's in charge of managing that public ground, um, start start building a relationship with those people. They're more than willing to help. So we're, we're standing at you know a line right now. Tell us a little bit about if you showed up on public land, this is what you saw, what would you kind of be looking for and, and what's what's here that you'd be checking out? So right now we're on an edge of my property where the field edge kind of transitions in, into um, it's a field edge and then we got a woodlot behind it we got a, um, a finger ridge jutting out so when I'm looking if I'm thinking this is public land and I get out here and I look at this woodlot yeah there's some good diversity there there's some sneeze weed there's some 
um, some winged stem. You don't have to be a botanist to figure out some of these good species. Uh, but it's nice to know if you can be familiar with some, uh, some of the more desirable ones in your area. But notice there's, there's no browse line. There is no browse line on this whole field edge, which isn't something you'd typically run into on public land. A lot of times on public land, it'll be either high deer numbers or just poor quality habitat around where you'll have a very, it's almost like you took a pair of scissors and cut four foot above the ground, cut all the vegetation off where you can see right into the woodlot. I'm providing supplemental nutrition on, because I have the ability on, on private land. I'm providing the extra forage so it kind of keeps them off of, from creating those, those browse lines. So if I show up to a piece of public that looks like this, I'm thinking either there's, there's low deer numbers or there's good nutrition in the area. So depending on what you're trying to do, are you trying to fill the freezer? If you're trying to fill the freezer, you might look for somebody that has some area that has a really big browse line because it means high deer numbers in that area. So if you just want to get out there and take some does, that might be a good place to start. But if you see something like this where you can't see into the woodlot, it means yes, there's good nutrition there. It might be good if you're after a trophy animal. It might be a good place to start um, simply by looking at the browse line or lack thereof. Is there anything that you're going to do uh, again? You know, state regulations kind of dictate this a little bit, but minerals, salt licks, that kind of stuff. Is there anything that you would be examining, taking out to a, a piece of public property? So if you're allowed to put it on public property, mineral licks, um, again, check with your state regulations. You don't know with CWD now, um, there are some areas where you kind of, you got to be careful. You're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to bait at all in Minnesota, um, public or private, but um, if you're trying to get trail camera footage and figure out what's in the area, mineral licks throughout the summer would, would be my go-to. Um, most state forests um, and national forests, you're not allowed to go in there. You're not even supposed to cut shooting lanes in most situations. Um, so you got to kind of pick and choose where you can hunt, pick your stands, and kind of work with what the habitat gives you. Um, I would be looking for clean transition zones. I would look for power lines. Power lines are great because every couple of years they'll come in and they'll spray them with herbicide, kill everything off. You can see pretty good. So if you're willing to get a mile or two off the main parking lot, get away from most of the other people willing, willing to walk back there. you got a nice, good transition zone. It's fresh vegetation because it was killed off a year or two ago from, from spraying or even that year. Plus, you have good line of sight. You can see a long ways. Or if you see something cross on the other side of the hill, then you can get out of your tree stand and you can make a stock on it. So um, your hands are kind of tied on public grounds um, in most situations as far as what you can do and what you can't do. So you just kind of got to work with, with what, the, what the state or federal government provides you at that point. Yeah, and that's another good point to not just trust what you find on the internet, to get in touch with the biologist that's on site in the park so they can kind of give you some insight into what you can do how far you can go with it. I've stumbled across some food plots on, on public land and it's a big no-no. You don't, you don't want to be disturbing um, what they have going on there. Um, even if you have the best intentions in the world, it's still against regulations and it's not worth losing your hunting or fishing license, losing your bow. <laughs> um, it's not worth paying the fine. It's not worth doing any of that over. So just, yeah, check with the state regulations, figure out what you can and can't get away with. So obviously this next question is going to be very regionally specific based upon where people are hunting. But when you go into a piece of public property, what kind of trees would you be looking for, especially here in Kentucky? Uh, what, what trees, what nutrition coming from those trees are you going to be looking out for? So it depends on the time of year. When I'm thinking hunting season, uh, say October, when the acorns start dropping, white oak trees are going to be king. If you can find some big white oaks or a nice oak flat 
try to hunt around them. Red oak is a close second. Um, so pay attention to those oak species. I know some people swear they can, they can hunt over a beech tree. Um, I've never really seen deer target beech nuts over any other nuts. Squirrels love them, sure. Um, so it depends on what species you're targeting. You're targeting squirrels, yeah, go find the beech groves. But if you're targeting deer or turkey, you want to look for the oak trees. You want to look for white oak specifically. Um, red oak is a close second. There's chinkapin oak, which is another good one to look for. We got chinkapin right behind me. Um, if you get into late season and, and those deer are really transitioning over to woody browse, say um, January, you're out there bow hunting, still trying to fill a tag in January, look for maybe some dogwood thickets um, or areas some, with red bud. Um, I just talked earlier, I was, I was discussing a deer's affinity for black walnut stump sprouts. If there is a recent clear cut, and there's stump sprouts coming out of some of those those stumps that they left over from the logging operation. I'd be looking to go hunt a place like that, uh, where they're going to be browsing those woody stems late winter to, to stay warm. So, Well, that's great, man. I, I appreciate all the advice and insight on this. And I think everybody's going to take a little bit different approach when they start looking at the public land they're going to be hunting. So thanks for your tips, and we'll go dive into some more stuff. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Thanks, Zach. As you can tell, this guy really knows how to improve habitat to improve your hunting success. If you want to find out more about Zach and Whetstone Habitat and see how he could help you improve your property, make sure you check him out. Go to his website, check out his social media platform, and then also he's in Go Wild. So come there and have a conversation with him as well. If you like this show, make sure you subscribe and turn on notifications for when our next videos come out. And if there's something we didn't touch on that you want to hear about, comment down in the comments section and let us know. We'll see if we can get Zach to even take a look at those questions. All right, that's it. We'll see y'all later. Thank you